listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 57, covering Hide and Q and Haven. Hello again, friends. How are you guys? You didn't ask, uh, I don't even remember what it is now, how... No, I made a, I made a uh, concentrated effort not to do it that time. It, it, I was hoping not to draw attention to it. Well, you've drawn attention to it, or I've drawn attention to it, because that's what I do. Well, of course. It's meta. Is that what this, this is? Oh, good. I'm glad we have a name for it. I don't know. I just, I have, you know, I have a, I have a schedule. It's one minute of banter, and then we go into our, our things. So. All right, well, how far along are we now? 35 seconds. Shit, okay. we got to banter a little more. So these episodes are fun, huh? These, these two episodes we did? Oh, sure, yeah. Star Trek, that show? That show we do, that we do so well? Yeah. I, you know what, 48 seconds, that's close enough. 50, 51. <laughs> Matt, do you want to tell us about the strangely titled Hide and Q? God, yes. Do that, won't you? All right. All right, so the Enterprise is doing what it does best, rushing a vaccine to some shitty diseased planet in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Hey, Gene, uh, if the Federation is so awesome and advanced, how come people die of the flu every 15 seconds, huh? <laughs> Answer me that when you sweater vest wearing fuck. When what to our wondering eyes should appear but the fucking Connect Space Net. And then Q shows up on the bridge being a douche and putting down civilization again, the smug bastard. He kidnaps Riker, Yar, Geordi, Worf, and Data and takes them to a mysterious planet with two moons and Napoleonic monsters that everyone seems to have a hard time describing to anyone. Q and Riker chill out, maxing and relaxing, and Q, and Q challenges Riker to a game. After dismissing Mousetrap because nobody can find the diving man and Monopoly because not even Q has that kind of spare time, they, des they decide on everyone tries to kill everyone else. Yar is sent to the penalty box where she weeps and makes Picard feel awkward. Q tells Riker that he has magical Q powers, and he magics everyone back to the Enterprise. Picard makes Riker promise never to use his magic god powers again, because absolute power, blah, 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 Yankee gesture. But then they arrive on the diseased planet and find small children dead, and P Riker regrets it immediately. He and Picard call a meeting of the senior bridge crew and Wesley, because everyone cares what that guy thinks, and Riker offers each of them a gift to show that he is still the same old William T. Riker that ever he was. He makes Wesley an adult who, I notice, has neither a famous blog nor a patchy, shitty beard. He restores Geordi's sight, and he gives Worf a Klingon female, presumably so that they can go at it right there on the bridge. His gift to Tasha, getting her off the series so that she can appear in Pet Cemetery and nothing else, will t not take effect for another couple of weeks. No mention is made of Picard's greatest wish either, but I assume it was going to involve growing him some hair. Ooh. Each in, turn, the crew each in turn, the crew rejects their wishes, preferring to struggle or earn them or whatever in the greatest tradition of Star Trek, and Q is taken back to the continuum to be punished or something. You really made a Picard hair joke. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that joke since 1992. Okay, that's it. You can't make any more. That's the last one. Fine. We'll see how long I remember that. Well, oh, I'll remind you. <laughs> is that a ball no, joke? A yes. End of the it penalty box. It, it just, it feels like, um, it, it feels like one of those things that is just too easy. It's just, mm -hmm. we're better than that. We're not great, but we're better than that. <laughs> we're not great, but we're better than that thing. We're, we're not better than Takei impression. No, <laughs> of course not. We're not better than uh, stare at Troy's cleavage, but we are better than Picard hair joke. Mm -hmm. Or 
I also, when we get to generations, you can't make the, uh, well, neither of them have hair. <laughs> Shut up. That's pretty bad, even for me. Well, everyone made that joke when that movie came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, this episode, and, and I'll say this again, um, I said it last week, Is this, we're, we're squarely in episodes that have good concepts, but the show's not good enough to make them work yet. This would yeah, have this been a is... great episode in season three or four. It was actually, it makes for a good episode in season six, I think, as we were talking about while we were watching it. Yeah, uh, the, uh, what is it, True Q, where yeah. uh, Amanda Rogers, I think the character's name is. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's her. Um, is offered Q power. Actually, no, it turns out her, her parents were Qs. Yes. And, uh, and she's offered the powers, or he can take them away. And it's a nice, you know, should she use them, should she not use them? And, and it's done to much greater effect there. But doing it with someone we know, like mm. Riker. And, you know, the, the virtuous Starfleet, blah, blah, blah. That would have been great if, you know, if it hadn't been done in the ham-fisted season one, humans are great and everyone else is terrible. Thanks, Gene. Yeah. I, it, once again, it happened last week. It, it's happening still. I never really noticed it until now, but it, man, do they just go on about how great humanity is. It's the best place ever. You know all those other all those other races who worked so hard to develop space travel and shit. We're way better than them because yeah, you know what? A... They don't. They don't try. They don't strive for anything. They don't go out into the universe to find things. Oh wait, that happens all the fucking time. Yeah, we met them all in space, so they obviously must have been driven by something. Yeah, and but Q keeps talking about the special destiny of humans, and you know what? There's a, there's a Klingon there. There's a there's a half uh, Betazoid there. There's a, a, an android. There's a like robot the, from the robot planet. Yeah, which we'll get to soon enough. Um, <laughs> but no, there's you know there's lots of different species on the ship, and he's only concerned with the humans. That just seems a bit racist to me. Mm -hmm. It's you know it's the human adventure is is just beginning all over again. Yeah, exactly. The human adventure is just beginning. Non-humans not allowed. Yeah, non-humans need not apply. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. But, what do you cling on? Well, I'm sure there's a place for you somewhere else. No, I'm going to call you Microbrain. <laughs> That's going to be your name from now on. Well, in in Q's defense, Worf has apparently decided that he doesn't need to have sex because he's a Starfleet officer. Yeah. Yeah, that's his answer. He's like, uh, I, I don't need this. And Riker's like, what? What are you kidding? I need that. I need that all the time. Re really? I'm Riker. D does, did, are we not allowed to... Does anyone else know about this? Yeah, because I made it all the way to Commander, and uh, I've not been following that guideline at all. I've had sex with like 18 people this week. <laughs> Since we had this conversation, I've had sex with two people in this room. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of me. I'm Riker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Kirk without the douchiness. <laughs> All the women want to have sex with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, he, I think of of the crew, he's actually a good choice for Q to go to and, and offer powers to. I just think, yeah. once again, we're offered uh, something where if we'd known the characters a little better, the story would have worked better. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it, clearly you can just give them to, like, say, Picard, because he's going to reject it right out of hand. Just like, well, if Q's giving it to me, then I don't want it, because screw that guy. Yeah, and my theory was that Q's now doing this. Like, he has his eye on Picard, and he's had his eye on Picard the whole time. Yes. And I think he probably knows that. And so he's offering it to Riker just to fuck with Picard. It has nothing to do with Riker. Yeah. It's like he's dating he's dating the girl's best friend to make her jealous. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, well, you know, uh... Uh, we Picard see a special destiny in your number one here. I don't care about you. You Nothing at all. So, Picard, how have you been holding up? 
Good, bad. Yeah, Wait, I don't okay. care what you think anymore, do I? No, Riker's the new hotness now. Call me. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it, it's a little weak. It's a little, it, I mean, it's very season one in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, and we said this in Farpoint, uh, Delancey just nails it. The, you give him the worst line, he still completely yep. owns this character, completely knows what he's doing, and makes it fun and makes it compelling. And he just, he owns every scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking just a delight to watch and this is by far like i i know the q episodes in particular very well this is when i you know when i would go back and watch them i would usually watch q episodes because i love them and yep. uh, this is by far the weakest one and it's still pretty fun mm-hmm. yeah no even even when like I, I remarked on this i think in the last one but uh, it comes up again delancey or uh, q is not a good sort of devil on your shoulder like telling you to do things because he takes the stupidest. Hey, you should do this. It's easier and the the dark side and crap. But De- Delancey, not so much makes it work for scenes like that, but you believe it. Yeah, if you know what well, I mean. Well, and I, I think the subtext there is supposed to be he wants you to fail, but he's really testing you and wants you to succeed. I mean, it's always always a test. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the Q have nothing better to do. Yeah. No, but I do like at the end the Q continuum appears to be angry with him and recalls him back home. Like, yeah. would you please leave those people alone? They're busy. <laughs> I'm really sorry. He's grounded. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we we think they're primitive and all that too. But if you're gonna watch them, shh, be quiet. Just watch them. Leave them alone. Q, did you go over to the Johnsons' house again and throw rocks at their window? No. <laughs> yes, that did happen. <laughs> We're so sorry. Here, let us pay for the window. And they'll actually they'll actually uh, take this approach in, in a later Q episode, which is quite nice, where they're just tired of his crap. Yep. Which is nice. And we never get a clear idea of what the continuum is, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that it's weird, mysterious, yeah, that, plane of existence. That which is, comes up in uh, Voyager. Yeah, I know it does. I was trying to pretend Voyager didn't happen. Ah, uh, yes. In Next Gen, it's nice and mysterious. We get hints that Q just exists on a higher plane, but we don't know what's going on. And I, li- I like mm. that. We don't yeah. need to see it. No. It's fine. We actually get uh, what I thought was the Q in his true form at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, because he apparently... makes a mention of, like, you can't handle my true form, which is three yeah. snakes on a ball. Yeah, apparently three cobras balanced on a crystal ball. <laughs> my <laughs> God. We can't conceive so... of your true <laughs> form. For so some it... reason, humans can't see three snakes on a ball. We just can't <laughs> conceive. We have a blind spot for that. <laughs> Yeah, but then he then he says it's like a Torellian snake monster because that's your standard face. Star Trek fill in the blank. Like it can't be a dog; it has to be a you know a Tiberian dog, a Tiber a Tiberian ice hound. Yeah, which just means a dog. Like there's a find and replace. If you put dog in a script, you have to go through and, and replace yeah. it with something alien sounding. Mm-hmm. Which you know, whatever. That's a, a Sandarian undercat. Yes, three snakes on a ball. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> so they go down to the planet, and, uh, you know, standard planet hell, just obviously the back lot, but it's fine. Yep. It's supposed to be sparse because it's just used playground, which is fine. And then, as you say, they get these horrible monster things that they're fighting that they keep saying. They're just, they look, I mean, they don't look like Klingons, but they're only j- about as horrible as Klingons. There's nothing yeah, like they're just, particularly they're... gruesome about them. They're dudes wearing bumpy forehead masks, and everyone makes a big deal out of it. No, they're like, they're oh, a little God. more elaborate than the bumpy foreheads. They're not like the the crappy Bajoran. Like there's they they look like aliens at least. Yeah, 
But, I mean, they're basically, like, you know, dudes in masks. You know, yeah. it's not that hard to describe it. Although, no, I guess it is, because we're not doing it very well right now. They look like snarling animals. They, they have yes. very animalistic sort of pug-like features, and they're hairy. And, you know, I mean, they look like like an angry mammalian biped. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, Data at one point says, sir, I'll spare you the description and put it in my report, because it's too yeah. hideous for you to imagine. Uh- Really? I couldn't just describe it. Really? Because I think I think he'll be okay. Particularly of all the crew, you should be able to describe it best of all, perhaps to a fault where I'm going to tell you to stop babbling. Yeah. But whatever. No, the the main thing, you know, obviously is, is uh, Riker being offered Q powers, and the dynamic between them is great, and it's very different than, yes. than uh, him and uh, Picard, because I, Q sits him down, offers him a drink, and Riker's like, yeah. All right, let me see what you got to say. I'll have your drink. Hey, lemonade, nice. What's your pitch? Yeah. And I I just, I get, it's like we've been saying about Riker before. It, he's, that character could so much have been the bland white guy like Decker was. He could have just yeah. been the forgettable, oh, the first officer's just a guy, who cares? But Frakes makes him so likable and so charming and so fun. Oh, totally. That he's really one of my favorite characters in this crew. And, you know, in a show where there's a, you know, an aggressive alien and a robot and a, and a you know, a genius blind man with a weird <coughs> visor thing, you know, like, it's cool that the normal guy is still interesting to me because yeah. that that says a lot for the, to the acting and later to the writing. Mm-hmm. But, it, but right now, mostly the acting. Like, Frakes does a lot with a little just like Delancey does. Oh, totally. Like, no, they, they do a great job of just playing off each other. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, nice, good- it's nice to see... Q with someone other than Picard. That's it. Like in the in the pilot, we were saying, you know, like those two were pretty evenly matched. But it's nice to see Delancey kind of playing off somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird though because he keeps saying, "Well, in our Farpoint mission," which they made a point of recapping seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he keeps mentioning we had our eye on Riker all along. Really? Because you never met him. No. This is this you is were too busy knowing, uh, uh, all over again. Yeah, that, that's true, too. He was freezing people. He didn't freeze anyone this time, so that's nice. Yeah. It's nice to know he lost his ice ray. Did did pull the the old net out of storage, though. Didn't really need that. Yeah. And then Riker used it, too. Q. Apparently, that's just, like, a Q net. I guess. Thankfully, after this, I'm pretty sure it's retired. I think they, they use other things after this. Oh, thank so. God for that. Yeah. And that's the thing. We keep praising season one, and I continue to, like, visually. It's so much better than we expected, and it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of the a lot of the look of the show I thought was established in later seasons, but a lot of the stuff looks really good now. The sets and the you know the um, not so much the costumes, but the models and the visual effects. Yep, like it'll be nice to see them cleaned up in the Blu-ray, but they look pretty good now. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I don't know. There's just I mean overall this was you know again I grade season one on a curve. Like season one sucks. I will not deny that, and I've. A few people now have said, "Why do you why do you go so easy on it?" And I don't know. I'm trying that, like it's fun to make jokes, but I'm trying to find the good in this. We are yeah. watching Star Trek. Yeah, like we're not just here to put the place to put the thing down. I mean, you know, I'll make every cheap shot I can, but at the end of the day, I'm watching Star Trek, and yeah. that's great. And you know, I and I am grading on a curve. And <laughs> when we get to the end of the series, and I put together my list of you know even top say, 50 episodes, I doubt anything will come up from season one. Mm-hmm. But that said, as season one goes, this was all right. Yeah. 
This Stup- was above average for season one. Yeah, stupid, terrible title, but... Yeah, the worst title. Like, seriously. All of the all the Q episodes, except I think Tapestry, have like a... Re- yeah, Tapestry's a fake-out. You're not supposed to know it's a Q episode. Yeah. That's why they did that. Yeah, but like everything... Yeah, all the other ones, it's Q-Who and uh, Q-Pid. Q-Shu, Shabadoo. True, true Q. Yeah. Joey, Jojo, Shabadoo. <laughs> that's the worst title I've ever heard. <laughs> The kids can call you Hoq. <laughs> but it's just like, what the hell is a hide and cue? No one's hiding. You're no. dumb. Fucking. It's not even a pun, or it doesn't rhyme. It's nothing. But you know, apart from that, mm-hmm. I mean, there's 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 some cool stuff here. There's a bit where uh, Q, you know, he changes costumes, he changes forms all the time, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, he appears as Data, and it's creepy as fuck. Oh, He's God, standing yeah, there in the same uniform and makeup as Brent Spiner. Only on him, it looks sinister. Data, like, the way Spiner plays him seems very wholesome and innocent, mm-hmm. the way he's supposed to. Kind of like a child. Kind of like a, you know, wants to be a real boy kind of thing. And uh, Delancey in that exact same makeup looks like, Jesus, he's a demon. <laughs> yeah, it's a great transition from Data to Q2. Yeah. yeah. But again, it's it's the same eyes and the same makeup. Like, there's nothing different. He might be making a different face. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's just him. Yeah. It's fucking sinister, and it's great. It's really off-putting. Yeah. Ah, you there's thought a, I was a... Data, but I'm not. I'm that other guy. Yeah. Have some lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit, uh, briefly, where uh, Wesley gets stabbed, and I was really hoping that would turn into the new Chekhov gets shot, but unfortunately it was very brief, and it was undone almost instantly. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. It would have been really nice, but, you know, we'll take, yeah, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure when we get to the end and we do our little video with the puppets that uh, the highlight reel will probably have Wesley getting stabbed. Yep. I can pretty much guarantee that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, any, it, any other uh, points to make about this? This is also the first appearance of Leg Up Riker. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is something that, you know, I never noticed this in, in Next Gen at all. Once you said it, I can't not notice it. <laughs> but Jonathan Frakes loves to put, I mean, he's very tall, and we've noticed he towers over everyone. And he's got very long legs, and he loves just putting one above the other one. Yep. He loves propping his leg up. He also does that. He also does that thing where he sort of steps over a chair and sits on it backwards. Yeah, I always thought that was a bit of a douche move, but the putting, putting the leg up never really bothered no. me. The, the, the backwards chair is like, come on, dude, stop that. You re- that's really how you're going to do this, huh? That just that feels like the guidance counselor who wants to like <laughs> prove to you that he's one of you. Rap with the kids. Yeah. yeah. Just relax. I can look. I sit in the chair backwards. See, I'm I'm unconventional. Shut up. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, that I think is it. All right. Uh, my good thing is well, John Delancey because he's awesome. Of course. And again, this is probably the worst Q episode there is, and he's still just a delight. Mm-hmm. He's still just prancing around, having fun, and chewing the scenery like crazy, but you know, in a good way. Uh, and my bad thing is, well, the smug smugness of smug humans being smug. Oh, God, they're so smug. It's so yeah. great being a human. Much better than being any of those other races. Bunch of losers. I mean, you got, you got, there's, there's two angles to the, to the smug human thing. First of all, there's, well, we were barbaric in the 20th century, but now we're great. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice angle, fuck you to your audience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the other angle is, um, we don't need the help of an advanced species because we can get there on our own because we're great. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what happened in this. Yeah. We have a special destiny because we we like to wonder. 
Really, no other race likes to wonder. Nope. Only only humans. Huh? <laughs> Every other race in in the entire galaxy has looked up at the sky and thought to themselves, eh. <laughs> or looked up and said, I can't wait to get out there and meet those great humans I keep hearing so much about. <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, okay, my good thing is there's a moment um, when uh, Riker's granting everyone's everyone's wishes on the bridge, and he gives uh, Geordi his sight back. And there's just this great moment where Jordy sort of looks at the planet they're orbiting, and he looks over at Tasha, and he just, like, he can see a rainbow again. And it's just, it's a really nice moment, and it's it's very, it's very really sad when he asks, he begs Riker to take it away from him. Yeah, and, and you know, that could be a really heavy-handed, like, cheesy, uh, you know, over-the-top uh, melodrama moment. A blind man can see now, ooh, but yeah, LeVar Burton is great, and he completely sells that. Even what I think the, is the sort of inappropriate walking up to his coworker and saying, you're beautiful. Like that really bad touch, dude. Yeah. It's cool what you've just gone through, but. Uh. <laughs> but no, you're right. He, he totally sells what could have been a, just a, a really cheesy moment. Mm-hmm. And then my bad thing is just no one being able to describe what the hell the Napoleon monsters are. They're just it's, they're fucking right there. Go look at them. Yeah. I might even just put some in the cover art just so. Uh... Yep. Well, you can see that they're not indescribable. They're not Lovecraftian horror. No. They're Napoleonic dudes. Yeah. All right. Next episode well, is... Do you want to do Hayden. the quote now or... Oh, I suppose I do, yes. The quote <laughs> goes here. One day I'll figure out how our show works. Maybe not in episode 57, but eventually I will. <laughs> Please, what is your quote? Uh, I went with... Uh... <laughs> After Riker decides that he doesn't want his Q powers, he does a little uh, self-deprecation, and Picard decides to join in on that. How did you know, sir? I feel like such an idiot. Quite right. So you should. Yeah, Picard just strikes me as the the stern father, and they definitely, some of the better writers play that up later, with Riker kind of having daddy issues with with Picard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that, that dynamic between them. Riker really wants his approval, and he doesn't always get it. No. No, that was that was a pretty stupid thing to do, don't you think so, Will? Why would you do that? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Yes, you won't do that That's... again, will you? No. Now don't apologize to me. Apologize to them. I'm yes, sorry, sir. everyone. I'm sorry you got stabbed, Wesley. Eh, I'll take that as okay, a... Okay, let's I'll not go overboard, Will. We're not sorry about that. <laughs> no one's sorry about that. The boy. <laughs> the boy, All sir. Right. <laughs> we'll just do an no, episode to... now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, now I suppose I can I can jump to mine. There's no other outstanding businesses no. there. I mean, okay. Uh, Haven, which, uh, well, Riker is hanging out in his quarters, innocently engaging in a little harp porn. You heard me. It's a hologram of fu- two fully clothed ladies playing harps when he gets an important call. Apparently the Eden-like planet of Eden, or Haven as the Eden-like inhabitants call it, is beaming up a mysterious object. Like any sensible crew man with the best Starfleet has to offer, they just beam the object aboard because why the fuck not? The object is a silver box with a human head embedded in it. And it tells everyone that Deanna Troy is about to get married. Then her horrible in-laws and her horrible mother beam aboard and hilarity ensues. Now, I'm on the record as being pro-Deanna's horrible mother. I think she's an excellent comedic foil for Deanna and Picard, but not yet. Right now she's just being pushy and overbearing and forcing her wedding plans on everyone else, which reminds me way too much of my own mother for me to get much enjoyment out of this appearance. Oh, and then there's Deanna's intended husband, whom she's marrying because the highly advanced culture of Beta Z still does arranged marriages, 
Like there's some awful third world country on present day Earth, or possibly Vulcans. Anyway, her husband-to-be is a largely inoffensive weenie named Wyatt, who spends all his time thinking of some woman he's never met and drawing pictures of her, which isn't at all suspicious or weird. Then a ship full of lepers shows up, and surprise, his dream girl is aboard. So he memes over her, and the wedding is off. Which is too bad, because uh, even though I've already seen the episode before, and I thought it would never really happen in 1987 television, I was really hoping to see Counselor Troy naked. I'm only human, you guys. Maybe by the 24th century, humans will have evolved beyond the need to see Counselor Troy naked, but I doubt it. I do notice Wesley was nowhere to be found during this episode. I suspect he heard there was a chance she'd be naked, and he had to remain seated wherever he happened to be at that time because of the involuntary boner. <laughs> yep. Yeah, once they once they threw that naked possibility out there, I just, uh, what, something... I'm uh, sorry, what's going happened? on now? That's why I didn't really notice the really terrible, uh, fifth act, you know, uh, resolution. Mm-hmm. Hey, everything's tied up in a nice, neat bow. Uh, Deanna naked? What? Oh. And, you know, you you may disagree with me, but uh, Major Barrett, even 60 or 70 or whatever she is here, uh, I'd hit it. Uh, not my real go-to, but, you know, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> she just, she's impressive. And like I said, this isn't her at her best. Fortunately, the writers, I think, saw some potential in the character, particularly her interactions with Picard, and when she comes back later, there's there's more there. Oh, totally. But but this is fun, and you can see, this is this is definitely the most lighthearted episode of the season, I think, and, and there's a lot of funny stuff happening here, a lot of funny character stuff, mm-hmm. not like, I, I much prefer funny character stuff to wacky happenings. Yeah. And, and this is mostly just standard relationship stuff, only funny. Mm-hmm. And unlike most of the uh, sort of character-driven episodes, there's no real need to have, like, a huge, horrible threat at the halfway right. point. We have the ship of lepers, which are addressed as the ship of lepers yep. by people in the episode. Yeah, you, th- you think that's our joke exaggeration, but no. Somebody at some point says, you going to go over with those lepers? <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thanks for doing our job for us. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Thanks. But no, the, most, of the, most of it is just people playing off of each other and it works really well people playing off luxana mostly which is well great. yeah no, she the her personality she really shows you well she shows you how great deanna can be because mm. we've said this before marina service is good if they give her something to do they just never do no she just says pain and tells you what everyone's feeling after you already know it uh-huh. but when you see her reacting to her mother there's some really good stuff going oh on. totally and then seeing her play against Picard is great. Well, I mean, seeing her play against the future in-laws is great. There's like a pearl clutching well I never seen. I mean, just there's a lot of good stuff going on. Well, I mean, she brings out something in Picard that most other characters don't like. He's a very different person around her, and I think that's worth che- that's worth seeing. Well, she can read his mind, which probably freaks him out because Picard, and we'll we'll find this out later. But even now, we get the impression he's a very guarded man. Oh, totally. What he presents is very controlled and measured, but underneath he's probably got some, you know, weird thoughts going on, and he's, you know, he doesn't want everyone knowing that. I want to have sex with archaeology. <laughs> or possibly I'm Shakespeare, I haven't decided yet. Shakespeare, or, uh, I don't know, noir detectives, or something different every week. I also know how to ride a horse, just in case I ever meet William Shatner. <laughs> I hope I don't have a meet William Shatner. <laughs> If you see William Shatner in the street, kill him. <laughs> uh, and I've said this before, and this isn't me so much like, okay, I made the jokes about her being naked or whatever, fine. But putting that aside, putting aside the drooling lust, she is just pretty. Yeah, she is. She's pretty. She's, I mean, 
they're just in a in an in an abstract like not lustful sense. Just in a she's just a very attractive woman. Yep. It's it's just like she got. There's scenes in this just where she got like her big eyes and her hair's down. She's wearing her yeah. jammies, whatever the hell they are. And she just well, we've we've said that before. Whether civilian clothes are not great, no. Now, but that, and she just looks amazing. Where she's sad and just those big sort of sad dark eyes just really work. And she's just I, I really like her. Yeah, and I really again feel like I wish the character had been more because the actor she's totally capable of it. Mm-hmm. They just don't give her much to do. And you you see when they give her, you know, when they throw her a bone occasionally, here, here's some acting to do. She's all over it, and she's yep. great. But she so rarely gets the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And there's a there's a great scene between her and Riker. They, they talk about their past. I love the way this relationship is depicted. And considering how soap opera, you know, soap opera-like and, and over-the-top and melodramatic season one gets, I particularly love the way surprisingly mature way they handled uh, Riker and Troy, which is, you know what? We dated, we really had a thing, we were really into each other, but it didn't work out, and now we have to work together. And a lot of that's the acting. Mm -hmm. But the way the two of them act is just so, I don't know, it's so right. Like, I've been in that situation, not having to work with my ex, but the rest of it. Right. No, I mean, you you can really tell there's there's like a past there. Yeah, she's still sort of pining for him but not in a pathetic way no just in a he's the one that got away but time to get on with my life yeah no the two of them play and, off each other really well yeah and there's a scene and it doesn't last very long because because Wyatt comes in and interrupts them <laughs> and and it's unfortunate just because the scene was so good I wanted a little more of that I wanted some more dialogue I wanted more some more play between them it was just it was like wow these two are great even if they never hook up through the course of the series, which I don't think they actually do until the movie. No, they don't until uh, Insurrection, I think. But there's there's sort of a, and you'll see this later, there's sort of an understanding, like, well, we are moving on, but it is a little painful to see it with someone else. And I also get the impression, I think this happens around season three or so, um, that they have an arrangement if they're not dating anyone else, that they just fall back in bed together. <laughs> And again, I don't have the evidence in front of me right now. We'll have to wait till we get to that. I'd certainly buy it but, from both those characters, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're mature enough to say, well, you're not dating anyone. I'm not dating anyone. We're great in the sack. Let's, let's, uh, uh, yeah. let's go take care of something. Yeah. It's kind of like Jerry and Elaine. Yeah. You know? um, but no, I really like their relationship. I, like I said, this is a good episode for Marina Sirtis, and all of her interactions with everyone are Good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of goofiness here. I won't deny that. No, and some really stupid stuff too. Oh yeah. Well, the the central thing, the main point, is that Wyatt has been having dreams about this woman, visions of this woman, mm-hmm. uh, and then she appears on the leper ship, and they never explain where it comes from. Is he psychic? Nope. Is she projecting to him? No, they 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 hand wave it away with uh, Loxwana going. Oh, you know, sometimes people in the universe are connected. No one knows why. Oh, this is a science fiction show. It doesn't have to be a real plausible reason in the real world, but it has to have internal logic. Yeah. You need to explain something. Fantasy is the one where you don't have to explain anything. Oh, a wizard. Sci-fi is where you need reasons for stuff, and not a techno babble reason either. A sensible, just normal explanation. Oh. They're psychic or something. Yeah. 
Well, their no, brainwaves no. have been sent out into the universe and matched each other thousands upon thousands of years ago. And as they were reborn over and over again through a process of reincarnation, they eventually tracked each other down. Fine, whatever. Just I give mean, me something. But, it, yeah. I mean, to me, that is what science fiction is. You need to know why stuff happens. I mean, mm. I'm not we, – we've said this over and over again. We're not the kind of people who want – the actual scientific explanation. We don't need a detailed, you know, how does this fit in continuity explanation? Yeah, just... But a basic plot point should have, you know, a reason to happen. Two people who've been thinking about each other for for their entire lives, there's probably something important there. You might want to get on that. It's just destiny, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Destiny is stupid. Unless it's, you know, Kirk's best destiny is being a captain. That's different. Uh-huh. No, really, the, the central theme of uh, of fake Star Trek was destiny. I know. That's a whole other I, I, I I've mentioned how I feel about that. but uh... Yeah. This is different, though. This is just, I don't no. get this at all. Um, and they never explain it. It's just, yep, that's nope. where I'm supposed to be. So long. Bye now. And he, he, he just jumps in the transporter because that's on the Enterprise. And I'll point this out as it happens. But this happens a lot. People can just jump on the transporter or steal a shuttle whenever you want. Mm-hmm. It's like security doesn't even have cameras down there. They just they don't even know. Mm-hmm. When Worf's in charge, I just get the feeling he's like, "We have a shuttle bay? <laughs> really? I've never been down. I've never been to this part of the ship. What are you talking?" It's like, about? yes, Worf, we left we left Earth with like twenty three shuttles. You know what we have now? now? Count. There's only seven. Six. <laughs> yeah, there goes one now. Mm-hmm. Damn it. I guess I should be watching this. Yeah, I think maybe you should. Yeah. Sorry, I was distracted I, I, by Klingon history honor. or some damn thing. Yeah. My boy was getting up to something. <laughs> because my people. Because, yes, because my people. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit where uh, Loxana and uh, the, the, the Troy's future in-laws are arguing and <laughs> Picard says, we have a tradition in Starfleet that a captain can settle any dispute, and then they just stop fighting. <laughs> we have a tradition in Starfleet that goes something like this. Shut the hell up. That's basically what he says, although he says it in a nice diplomatic way, and mm-hmm. they have to stop arguing. Nothing's been resolved. Nope. But argument is now over because Picard says so. Mm-hmm. We're all friends now. Are we? Sure. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's a couple of times where... Uh, Deanna calls Riker Bill. Yeah, that's weird. The first time it was like, I must have heard it wrong. She was she, she closed her lips a little too much when she said the W and it came out like a B, like Bill. But nope, second time it was very clearly Bill. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> she he, he calls her the uh the, the name of her of you know of her beloved people, you know, Imzadi. And she calls him right. the name of his beloved <laughs> the beloved name of his people, Bill. Bill. <laughs> Yeah, on There's Earth, a... on Earth, Bill is the name for your for the person who's bonded closest to you. Well, yeah, if if you had seen if the wedding had gone through, she would have had a a really lovely card from him that would have been signed "Best Bill." <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> also, I've been recently watching Arrested Development again, and. Uh... There's a there's a bit where actually that holodeck scene I was talking about where where Riker where Bill and Troy were talking and Wyatt walks in and he kind of he figures out oh you're you're the one you're the you know you're the guy that she wanted to be with and I just wanted to think I, I just wanted him to say uh, really should have locked that down 
Because there was a bit of and and Wyatt could have been a weenie and he could have been terrible. He was likable enough. Yeah, he I was, was impressed he that was they fine. didn't. They could have made him a douche. They could have made him a horrible, you know, like oh god, she's you know. But no, I could have seen her trying to make it work. And of course, he, you know, his name is Wyatt, and you know, you've all heard yeah. that old proverb: never trust anyone named Wyatt. Yeah, don't trust the Wyatt. That's mm-hmm. just that's common sense there. Oh yes. I mean, that's how humans got to their, their great status in the universe, is by not trusting anyone named Wyatt. <laughs> but, uh, no, there's, he just, it, the guy's not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got bad hair, but oh, yeah. he's not bad. And uh, it was 1987. Come on, we all had bad hair in 1987. Yep. Um, but there's, there is a look. And it is basically, you should have locked that down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, well, you, you had your chance, and uh, so long, sucker. Do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see, anything else? Uh, I'm not seeing anything in my notes. Oh, the fucking box! We yeah, ad- that talking box was just oh, terrible. It, it's fucking terrifying! Yeah, it is. And it's just, it's a it's a silver box with a human face sticking out of it. Yep. That's painted a silver, so it looks like it's part of it. Oh my goodness! Let this be a happy occasion for the pe- for Deanna Troy. She's getting married. Somebody's getting married. Here, have some jewels. I've been saving them for you. <laughs> Tasha's picking them up. What are you gonna do with those? I like jewels. until you get hit with another, you know, uh, drunk Ray. You, you you're not gonna wear those. No. Her hair in this uh, was down. also something to point out. <laughs> yeah, at the uh, at the at the dinner. I guess the rehearsal dinner or whatever whatever it is. Uh, Wow, yeah. she must have used like ten pounds of hairspray, mm-hmm. which was way worse for the environmental controls of the Enterprise than Data's pipe ever was. <laughs> this was her revenge, I guess. This is like, oh, Data, I was just putting on my hairspray. Yeah, shake, 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 shake. Um, now I need another can of it. All right, anything else? Uh, no. All right. Uh, well, my good thing was Deanna's hair. My bad thing was Tasha's hair. <laughs> what do you got? All right, my good thing is De- is uh, just a, an incredible character episode. Um, I don't know that I'd say incredible. Okay, it's a it good, good character episode. Yes. It's the best character episode we've, ha- we've had so far. Again, grading on a curve. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dig Majel Barrett as Luxwana. I love what she does to Picard. Just mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yep. Uh, and my bad thing is uh, the plague people that sort of come out of nowhere and everything yep. sort of like that. Here we are. Let's uh, let's let's end this now. Wallace Shaw and the plague people. <laughs> he was he he was just a bald guy that you started saying was Wallace Shaw. Well, there wasn't yes, anything I particularly was Wallace Shawn like about him. in his popomatic spaceship. <laughs> That ship was kind of cool, but yeah, they they are a little bubble crazy this season. Yep. Everything's got a a bubble on it for some reason. I don't know what that's all about. Stick a bubble on there. It'll be much better. Yeah. Can we bubble this up a bit? I I don't know. Bubble it up by about 75%. It's okay, but it could use a bubble. Yeah. Uh, And my quote, (laughs) there's a great bit, like I said, in the the, the sort of dinner scene where everyone's kind of tediously trying to get along. And, you know, I've been through, I'm I'm on marriage number two, so I've been through a bit of this. Where you're with your family and you're just trying to get through it and get along. And this is, uh, Deanna actually ends up um, sort of storming out with a bit of a temper tantrum. But before that, Data's just circling the room fascinated. 
And uh, Deanna storms out, and then Data says this. Could you please continue the petty bickering? I find it most intriguing. Which I just found delightful. Yes. All right, so that is that is it for this week. Two uh, fairly decent episodes for season one, but mm-hmm. you know it's still season one. But what are you going to do? We can we can sit and bitch, or we can try and have some fun with it. Get this. on with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next week we we have two particularly good ones. Good ones for us. I don't know if they're actually going to be good. No. But we have the uh, the Picard as Dixon Hill, and then we have the first appearance of Lore. Lore, your brother Lore. Lore. So that that should be fun. Get used to us doing the, the horrible Noonien Soon voice yes. forever. Because that delights us, and you're probably already sick of it. And we don't care. <laughs> Lore. Lore. <laughs> uh, so that's all for this week. Uh, Matt, say the thing. Hey, folks. Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2011. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.